This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And away we go. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, come warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. Open lines this hour. Again, open lines uh, for the entire hour. Again, not something we do enough of, but we're doing it tonight. So uh, now is the time uh, to unburden yourself, ask me anything, uh, discuss anything within the confines of the format, of course. This is The Conspiracy Show. Uh, we don't talk sports. Uh, let me get, unless, it, well, it's, that's not entirely true. Maybe you, I don't know, your, uh, your little league team has uh, some conspiracy brewing. I don't know. Uh, but for the most part, you know the drill. UFOs, uh, paranormal uh, phenomena, and uh, we love some political subterfuge as well. Let me give you the phone numbers because these are kind of handy when you're doing a phone-in show. After all, 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And that's the greater Toronto area. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. 866 4740. Open lines. Uh, Ian Robertson is here on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials, and Albert Vinzel, of course, the hardworking, uh, shy, mysterious Albert Vinzel is running our Hangout on Air. And if you want to partake, that is, stream the radio program live on YouTube, Ain't Technology Grand. Um, imagine watching the radio show. Uh, go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett at Richard Serrett, S as in Simon, Y because I love you, R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett, 20 years in the business, still spelling my last name. <laughs> oh, well, it's better than heavy lifting. Uh, anyway, you go to the top of my, uh, my Twitter feed and you will find the tweet there with an HOA link in it. And all you do is click and voila, you're in and you're streaming, streaming The Conspiracy Show this radio program live on YouTube. Uh, a very good friend of the program, Patrick White, 
from Conspiracy Culture right here in Toronto is here, and he will jump into the fray in just a few moments. Uh, Let me just give you a quick heads up. Conspiracy Culture is presenting a live event Saturday, May the 21st, featuring David Politis. David Politis, that name should sound familiar. Uh, He is the author of the Missing 411 series of, of books, uh, this is really well. Albert calls it just plain creepy, and uh, I would have to agree. If you're not familiar, uh, and and David has been a regular, uh, David Politis has been a regular on Coast to Coast, particularly with George Knapp, a colleague. And uh, this series of books details strange disappearances, primarily, I guess, within the national park system in both the United States and well now in Canada. Uh, and th- these are not sort of your, not that any disappearances run of the mill, but these are not your garden variety disappearances. Uh, these are, um, they just, they come uh, with, a, with a lot of baggage and a lot of strange things happening. Uh, uh, you know, people disappearing in plain sight, um, then being found in places that were searched you know, multiple times, being found in the oddest of locations, under the oddest of circumstances. Uh, and most of, of course, these end up, you know, tragically um, with the person being found dead. But um, uh, anyway, it's it's fascinating stuff. It's a real head scratcher. And uh, David Politis has, has worked uh, tirelessly to, uh, to try to get to the bottom of what's going on in the national parks with not a lot of cooperation from them. But he will be here in Toronto. This is a very special event, and Patrick is uh, standing by to tell us about uh, that event again Saturday, May 21st here in Toronto at the University of Toronto. Uh, in the meantime, please get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca. That's basically a landing page. That's just the beginning of the journey, and from there... You can go uh, umpteen different directions, but I'll direct you to the radio page for The Conspiracy Show, which you're listening to right now. And up at the top there at the, of the radio page, you'll find the slide carousel, where Albert and I have posted our usual assortment of tantalizing tidbits and news items and just plain weirdness, if you will. And if you're interested in the phenomenon known as indigo children... Uh, there's a great documentary from, is it Vice? I, I think it's Vice, isn't it, Albert? Right. And um, Gavin Haynes, who's a, who's a Brit, and he comes to America to investigate the secret world of indigo children. This is a select group of people who uh, believe they were born with indigo auras and possess uh, special supernatural traits and abilities. Uh, for all of you Bilderberg trackers, you can learn who the elite secretive group has chosen or anointed uh, to be the next president of the United States. Uh, and that's from wucnews.com. Uh, they've gone on to the official Bilderberg website and gleaned some interesting information. Uh, anyway, those are just two of the stories we've posted in the slide carousel at strangeplanet.ca. Again, just go to the radio page for The Conspiracy Show. And uh, while you're there, uh, why not register? It's it's fast, it's easy, and best of all, my favorite word, free. And that gains you access to special member-only areas uh, on the website. Okay, just one more reminder. Open lines. Get on board. 416-360-0740. Or toll-free from just about anywhere. 866-740-4740. Oh, all right. People are lining up right now, but uh, before we do that, let's get our good friend Patrick White from Conspiracy Culture in here. Patrick, how are you, my friend? 
Richard, how are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm all right. Happy. Oh, I almost neglect. There's still time before Mother's Day is come and gone again. So let's wish our mothers a very happy Mother's Day. All the mothers out there. Uh, and uh, or the memories of our mother. I know, Patrick, you lost your mama a few years ago. Yeah. Um, constantly on your mind, I'm, I'm guessing. I, I know. Sure. Major uh, part of my life, obviously, right? A- absolutely, yes. Wouldn't be here without mom? No, no. None of us would be. And uh, I want to extend a special Mother's Day to, uh, to my mother. Uh, 91 in June and still a force of nature. Um, visited her uh, earlier today. And she beat me at arm wrestling three times. No, she's, uh, she's an incredible lady. And uh, to my mother-in-law, uh, Vula, a happy Mother's Day to you. And, of course, to the mighty Aphrodite, the mother of my uh, two little guys, happy Mother's Day to you. All right. Saturday, May 21st, David Polites. Tell us more. Yeah, it's the first Canadian appearance for David Polites, who does, like you said, the Missing 411 series, which is an absolutely phenomenal topic like you said not your typical missing persons cases you know you can have a hundred people in a room listening to david talk about a particular case and you can ask them all as they're leaving the room what they think is responsible for these individuals disappearing and every single one of them will give you a different response so it's that type of a of a topic of a presentation where it just it really sends the mind out into different spots and this is canada missing or sorry missing 411 canada so how many books are, are there actually in the series, roughly? Do we know? He's got five. There's five now? Yeah. There's one that covered sort of North America, and then one that's mainly sort of the, the, the national park system in the U.S. Yeah, and they put an emphasis on the East Coast and the West Coast. Right. And uh, the most recent book, they've basically uh, indicated that they've narrowed down their field of suspects, but that they still aren't stating who or what is responsible. Well, just think about that for a moment. Five books in the series, and these are hefty tomes. These are not, you know, like uh, little pamphlets we're talking about. These are hefty, hefty tomes. And there's enough of these cases uh, to fill five volumes. That's, as Albert would say, just plain creepy. Sure. It's very comprehensive and very thorough. And like you said, some of the um, the places that these individuals are found, it just it defies all logic, you know. Well, I've uh, like a lot of people, I've heard uh, David on Coast to Coast many times, and I'm going to be. Uh, you've graciously uh, invited me to host, so I'll be uh, introducing David to the uh, to the assembled. Tell us how we can get tickets. Well, a multitude of ways. You can either come into our bookstore, which is located at 1344 Bloor Street West, and purchase tickets in shop. You can call myself over the phone at 416-916-1696. I'm there at the store Tuesday through Saturday from 11.11 a.m. until 7.07 p.m. Or if you're technically inclined, you can order tickets through our website, which is conspiracyculture.com. Tell us about the venue. Where are we holding this? It will be at the University of Toronto at the Medical Sciences Building in the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium, which is the lecture hall uh, 2158, and that's located at number one King's College Circle in Toronto, postal code M. Lake Mary 5, S. Lake Sam 1, A. Lake Apple 8. All right, David Politius. Missing 411 Canada, coming to Toronto, J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium, Saturday, May 21st, Conspiracy Culture Presents. I'll be hosting. Again, give us the times. 
Sure. So the event goes from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. We'll have the doors open at 6.30 p.m. Excellent. Patrick, always a pleasure. Good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much. All right. Conspiracy Culture 1344, Bloor Street West. West. All right. Check it out. All right. We have uh, time to take some calls here. Uh, Let's see here. Let me get my call screener up. And we have uh, Daniel joining us in Rochester. Daniel, good morning, or good evening, rather. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Oh, things are very good. I'm no longer in Rochester. I am out in Oregon here. You're in Oregon. Ah. I have the option of hearing you uh, replay the program on Sunday, but I get the previous week's program, which I often often hear, too. And which uh, which station out there are you listening to, uh, the, the um, program? Um, let's see, the Med... Uh, can't think of the call letters off this house. Is that in Medford? Uh, 1380. 1380 yes. in Medford, 1380 Oregon. in Medford. Excellent. Beautiful, um, beautiful part of the country. Yes. And I've, I've long appreciated your work. I, I first learned of you two, three weeks after you started from uh, hearing George's program before you. And anyway, what I have for you is this. Um, uh, I know you have a uh, an interest in reincarnation, but not a belief in it yourself, because in part of uh, uh, Greek Orthodox teachings, correct, uh, which is understandable. And now I have a book for you uh, to look up and and have a look at uh, what one of the men uh, right in the middle of the early church, Origen, had to say on the subject. Ah, that's interesting. All right, and who uh, was this? Uh, who was this? Um, a church leader? Or- Origen was a church father, uh, active sometime around 200 A.D., and uh, he he uh, wrote extensively on on uh, reincarnation, among other things, uh, and was later found to be an anathema. Sure, uh, and declared uh, a heretic, no doubt. A heretic, yes. Right, right. Uh, which is to say there had to have been an, uh, a discussion, at least, in the early Church uh, of the time. The book is called Origen on First Principles, and uh, the the author is G.W. Butterworth. Uh, it's, uh, this one is a Harper, Harper Tor- Torch book. Would you Harper. kindly, uh, Daniel, and I appreciate the recommendation, would you kindly put that all in a, in a nice, tidy email and send that off to me? Uh, I will, but I need to put an email to, together first. All right. I look forward um, to that. Thank you. Well, I've got to run. Got the uh, the music percolating up here, which says we're off to a break. But thank you so much, and uh, great good. to hear thank from you, you Daniel. Richard. All right, Daniel from Medford, Oregon. Back with more open lines right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are doing Open Lines. It's high time. You and I chatted. You, me, and the telephone. Uh, let's go out to uh, Brampton, west end of uh, the greater Toronto area, and uh, say hello to Martin. Martin, good evening. 
Good evening, Richard. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And uh, happy Mother's Day to all the important women in your life. Well, my mother died, but uh, my landlady, I gave her a very nice card. Well, aren't you a wonderful tenant? Well, she is a very nice landlady. Good for you. I want to ask you about uh, the, the Anunnaki. Do you know about those guys? Oh, yes. The Anunnaki, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Zachariah Sitchin a number of years ago, and he was kind of getting on at that time even, and um, it was kind of hard for him to stay up and, and do late-night radio, and I recently spoke with his niece. So I'm, I'm fairly well-versed in the Anunnaki. And um, Anyway, where did you want to take that? Well, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not well-versed. You know, I've been thinking about you know, watching, I'm watching the ancient aliens on TV, which is very interesting. I mm-hmm. mean, we have the plains of Nazca, Peru. We have all this evidence that there may have been people that were here before, maybe people that put us on this earth as maybe an experiment. But the Anunnaki, apparently they're like 15 feet tall, and they came here 3,500 years ago, and it's about time now that they're going to come back. I I don't know... uh, can you give me some insight into that? Well, the, the um, it's a rather elliptical orbit for uh, you know this this planet Nibiru, which is supposed to circle around. I think it's every thirty five hundred, thirty six hundred years. And it is interesting when you uh, because you know when this planet supposedly swings by our neck of the woods, it comes with it some rather cataclysmic events, and they do seem to kind of coincide with things like great floods and and ice ages and um, uh, earthquakes and the like. So, you know, that kind of matches up. That's kind of a curiosity, kind of an interesting thing. Uh, In terms of the whole, you know, were were alien seeds planted here, uh, again, uh, I'm conflicted by that. I make no bones about, you know, I, I put everything through my faith filter. And um, it's not a popular, it's not a popular uh, topic of discussion in the whole UFO arena, uh, you know, to, well, I, I, to, come you know out, no, I, to come out and suggest that, that we are, in fact, unique and alone in the universe. Uh, and and I've, I've put that out there, and I believe that. Um, I, I, don't think, I, not, I don't think we're dealing with extraterrestrials. I think we're we're dealing with interdimensionals, and you know one man's demon is another man's ET, I suppose. Well, uh, we have we have black holes, and you know I think that the black holes is just a, 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 another conduit to a different universe, and and the the Anunnaki. Well, a different universe or a different dimension. I think that's an important distinction. Um, well, yes. Uh, well, I think that. You know, the different universe, but if, how how can we be the only universe? Just like how can we be the only planet? You know, and, and, and this, uh, people... Well, if you believe in an almighty God and a creator, and, and he, and, and we are, I believe, unique, made in well, his, I'm, I'm made in his image, and, and, and this is, you know, this splendiferous, magnificent... Um, universe is 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 here for us to appreciate, uh, and um, you know to look up into the heavens and also I guess be humbled a little bit. But we are in an incredibly sweet spot. I mean, 
the you know the odds of there being life on other planets i think is it's the um you know if there are if if the universe is in fact teeming with um uh, these alien civilizations, Enrique Fermi, you know, he called it the Fermi uh, paradox. You know, where are they? Where are they? Well, you know, we we as human beings here, our our technology is only advanced, only just beyond the primitive stage. Um, has Com- compared to what? Compared here? to what? Compared to our well, our our technology is is in the Stone Age or primitive compared to what? Advanced civilizations, assuming that they're out there. Well, I think that we can actually determine where our technology is going. Mm-hmm. And any ancient civilizations out there, which I mean, don't I, I don't mean ancient as in real old like the Egyptians, but, but they are so far away and they come so far to find a planet like ours mm. to possibly deposit um, life forms to see how they will how they will uh, um, evolve. Right. Listen, I, uh, well, just... we have the plains of Nazca, Peru. I mean, somebody had to land there 3,500 years ago. Well, Why would you build it? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I... Listen, I let me cut to the quick. I I believe the UFO phenomena is real. The question is, you know, who is piloting them? Are they extraterrestrials? I don't. I wouldn't call them that. Uh, I, I I I firmly believe, you know, 150 million people since 1947 can't be wrong. All of them, even if one percent are right and have seen something that can't be explained. I think today, 90 percent of the unidentified. Uh, objects can be uh, explained as some sort of advanced um, aircraft, probably made in the United States. Yes, certainly. Uh, but again, so what's the other 10%? Interdimensional, uh, paranormal, supernatural. That's, that's where I'm, my head is parked right now. And I, again, I know that's not popular in the UFO community. You get yourself stricken off a lot of Christmas card lists that way. Well, I, you uh, know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really part of the UFO community myself. I, it's just I watch these TV shows, and, and they present it as, as evidence that there were people here, like mm. millions of years ago. I mean, you've got to remember, the planet is like four and a half billion years old. And I haven't seen any, like I've seen... Dinosaur fossils. I've seen fossils of uh, the, the, the the horseshoe crab, and I, but I have never seen fossils from a human being from a billion years ago, let's say, so to speak. Um, so, so when you got like places like the Nazca, the plains of Nazca, Peru. I mean, it's it's definitely a landing strip for something. Well, and, I think that's a bit of a reach. I don't think it's definitely. A landing strip for anything necessarily. Um, but why would they make it? Well, I guess first we have to figure out who made it uh, and when. Uh, but you know that to, it's not screaming at me as you know the smoking gun piece of evidence that we've been uh, visited by an advanced civilization. Sorry, well, I mean I know, just I, I don't. I, I, you know I I I ask myself too. Now I'm not a. a uh, 
you know, God and evolution and and the way things have gone and and the evidence of well, we cannot explain the evidence, you know, um, as these ancient alien guys say. At any rate, um, uh, just something to put out for a thought. For it, you know what? It's it's hey, it's what much. it's what drives this program, and it's a great it's great fodder. And uh, Martin, I appreciate the call. Um, well, you know, I, I, I thank you for my call. Uh, thank you for taking from my call. Um, I'm as open-minded as anybody, and uh, if anybody has anything to say about it, I would appreciate it, I, and I love your show. Thank you very much. Martin, appreciate it. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. Now, let's see. Um, why is Todd from Virginia on Todd from Virginia on three lines, or is there something wrong with my program? Oh, it's the screen caller. All right. Indigo Kids. Todd in Virginia wants to talk Indigo Kids. Hello, Todd. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi there. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? Top drawer on this fine Mother's Day. Yeah, uh, happy Mother's Day to all the fabulous mothers out there. Mine's very fabulous. Um, I just wanted to say about the Indigo Kids, it's a really, like, interesting phenomenon. I was just looking it up, and, like, the, I'm not sure I understand it quite well. Like, why is nobody talking about this more and more? More and more kids are getting diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. So I'm kind of curious as to why people aren't referring to them as, like, indigo kids. Can you kind of give me a little bit of insight? Well, if you're asking me, you know, why are we not – let me see if I understand your question. Why are we not identifying children with attention deficit disorder as being indigo children? Like, yeah. Well, that's I, a bit of a leap, isn't it? I mean I, – I'm assuming so, but do they have, like, supernatural powers or something? I'm, I'm not sure I'm understanding this concept quite well. The concept of indigo children? Yeah. Well, um, my understanding, and it's somewhat limited, and, and maybe I can get into this with Rosemary Ellen Guiley um, – when she joins us later, uh, but these are these children uh, have in, supposedly sort of are off the charts in terms of intuitive abilities. Um, although I don't know that there's been a uh, you know a scientific study uh, of this at some place like you know the Stanford Research Institute, that would be an interesting study. Perhaps right. there has been. I'm not aware of one if there has been. Um, and uh, I don't know whether the the idea is that they may in fact be some sort of, you know, human-alien hybrid. Uh, but in any event, they are supposed to be sort of spiritually uh, and psychically, you know, miles ahead of the rest of us plebes, particularly the one sitting in this seat. So, you know, that's my limited knowledge of, uh, of indigo children. I can't uh, recall actually doing a show, at least not in the last seven, eight years, uh, on the subject, maybe it's high time we did that. But um, I don't know that I, I don't know where you, you know why you would make the leap from uh, attention deficit disorder to uh, to indigo children, or am I missing something? Explain why you you, I, you think there may be a connection. I saw one article that said something about ADD and ADHD, and I was very curious. I was I was like to myself, why why are they making such a leap? Oh, interesting. Okay, well, I think. ADHD may have more to do with uh, less to do with aliens and more to do with pesticides, but that's just me. Uh, am I sounding like an incredible skeptic and a curmudgeon tonight? I don't mean to be. No, no, no. Right. You're doing well, thank you. Okay, Todd. Thanks for checking in from Virginia. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Uh, let's see. Brenda is uh, in Toronto, right here in our backyard. Brenda, good evening. Happy Mother's Day. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, Richard, I'm so glad that you have open line tonight. I was going to come by the station and drop this letter off, but now that you have open line, I'd love to bring this up. I want to talk to you about a show that you did on Sunday, August the 23rd, 2015. And you were talking about district, you were talking about targeted individuals. Right. And you were talking about Oliver Stone and the movie he did about JFK and how you thought perhaps he'd be willing to do something about targeted individuals. I actually followed up on that show mm-hmm. with a letter um, January 21st, 2016, wrote a brief letter to Oliver Stone, giving, I hope you don't mind, but giving sort of a summary of what you discussed on your show that day. And I asked him if he was ever in Toronto, if he had a rep in Toronto, would he be interested in this topic. I didn't hear back from him, but I was wondering if possibly you could back me up on this and we could invite Oliver Stone to be on your show. Well, what do you I, think? I don't know how far that's going to take it. I mean, um, I'd be happy to attach my name to, to, to that if you'd like. I'm wondering about his son, Sean. Uh, Sean Stone may be a little more accessible. And, oh, really? Yeah. Do you know anything and, about him? Um, yeah, he's, um, he's a filmmaker like his dad, film director, oh, uh, wow. and an actor. Uh, so, you know, that's worth a shot, too. That's just another thing to consider. I, I never thought of that. Um, what I was hoping for is that he would take an interest in the topic and that myself and other people, so many people have contacted you about this topic, would turn over some of the items, documents, photographs, and whatnot that they had to him mm-hmm. for him to look over and see if he'd be interested in doing a book, a movie, whatever he does best. You seem to think that he was really good at doing an investigative movie. And well, I he, like that he idea. Is, yeah, he, he, he seems to be one of the, um, the few directors out there that I'm aware of that is willing to to take those kinds of chances. And he has that kind of power in Hollywood where if he, if he decides to make a movie like that, he can get it done. Um, yes, I understood you to say that, and I was so interested in what you had to say. Keeping I in also, mind, though, once you, you turn yeah. a topic like this over to the Hollywood machine, sometimes what comes out the other end bears little resemblance to what went into the hopper. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of my caveat. Um, yeah. You know, if, if we really want to get the information out there, maybe, maybe you know, we're looking more at a, a, a documentary then, however, you have to weigh that. Oh. You, you want, do you want someone with the heft of an Oliver Stone, even a fictionalized version of this subject matter, uh, to reach, you know, a critical mass? What do you think is the best thing to do, Richard? Would Why don't we just sit down and Oliver? write ourselves a letter? Let's write a letter to Oliver Stone, okay? Send me an email and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll craft that together and we'll uh, see what happens. All right, I will give you a copy of what was already sent. Excellent. All right. And uh, then you'll know what has already gone to him. Um, contact me through the me. website. Got to run. I'm late here for a break. Apologies. That's fine. Thank you very much. All right. And um, we'll talk about this again. Thank you so much. I love the show. Thanks, Brenda. I love the show. Thank you. Good night for now. All right. Back with more open lines. Don't go away. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740. 
or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Open lines. We have a few chairs available. Five chairs, no waiting. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area. And toll-free, 866-740-4740. 866-740-4740. Open lines. And uh, just a reminder, coming up in the uh, the second hour of the program, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our resident paranormal investigator, will be uh, with us. And uh, we've got a few uh, stories to discuss as part of our uh, monthly paranormal news roundup. And then I'm going to ask her about her participation in the uh, Forrest J. Ackerman investigation. Uh, Forrest J. Ackerman, a science fiction writer, literary agent, and the uh, the longtime editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was uh, an extraordinary publication and influenced generations of, of filmmakers. Uh, and when he passed, I believe 2008 or 2009, um, he, as an avowed atheist, promised that if, if there was, in fact, an afterlife, he would try to reach out to somebody. Well, that somebody apparently is is Paul David's uh, writer, filmmaker, who, was, um, who befriended uh, Ackerman. And uh, the evidence, which is, is most compelling, is all detailed in his book, uh, An Atheist in Heaven. We had Paul on the program last week, and then I discovered Rosemary Ellen Guiley was also involved in that investigation. Now, let me tell you how th- this evidence that I, I speak of, how compelling it is. Uh, for those of you who are uh, regular viewers of my television show, The Conspiracy uh, Show, you'll know each episode we have a skeptic on there. And one of our go-to skeptics is Michael Shermer. Now, Michael, talk about a curmudgeon. Uh, and uh, not even, a, I wouldn't even call him a skeptic. He is just a debunker. And uh, I don't want to be unkind, but, you know, <laughs> Michael does, uh, not only does he not suffer fools lightly, but he, I mean, he won't even let you in the front door. He's just... He can be uh, difficult, let's put it that way. Uh, and that's as far as I'm, I'm going to go. I'm not trying to be unkind, but he is a tough nut. And he was impressed. Even Michael Shermer was impressed by the evidence laid out in An Atheist in Heaven. Again, this document, uh, documented evidence that appears to point to genuine after-death communication between the late Forrest J. Ackerman, or Forey, as he was known affectionately, and Paul Davids. So we'll uh, we'll get um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley's take on that uh, as well. Now, just a quick note before I go back to the phones, and thank you for participating in our open line segment on this Mother's Day edition of the Conspiracy Show. Uh, the The Monday morning after I did that show on the Sunday with Paul Davids, talking about all of these strange things that happened between Paul and perhaps the ghost of Forrest J. Ackerman. And one of the stories that Paul told was one of the investigators on the case had a cell phone in his house that uh, would mysteriously disappear, would reappear, went flying off a mantelpiece, went flying off a coffee table. 
So Monday, um, Monday morning, the mighty Aphrodite, who I'm uh, embarrassed to tell you doesn't always listen to the program. Anyway, she's a mom, a super mom, and she, uh, she gets tired, and so she doesn't always stay awake to listen to the show. So she had no knowledge of the conversation that, that transpired the Sunday night between myself and Paul Davids about Forrest Ackerman. Monday, she's out running some errands, and she calls me on her phone. I'm down in the office, and uh, she's out doing some banking. And she is shaken, obviously shaken. Her voice is trembling, and she uh, told me that she had misplaced her cell phone. And she had uh, come out of the bank, got back into the car, realized she didn't have her phone, checked her purse, checked the, the, uh, the floor of the, the, the car and so forth, turned the pockets in her jacket inside out. All right? That's important. Just tuck that away. Turned the pockets in her jacket inside out. Couldn't find it, so she returned to the bank, then convinced she must have left it there. Went to the bank, wasn't there, came back, got into the car, and somehow, I guess, maybe reaching into her pockets for her car keys or what have you, there was the cell phone. Pretty hard to miss, something like that. Particularly, again, as I say, she turned the, the, the pockets inside out, and there it was. So, she was confused, confounded, and a little scared. Uh, and then I told her about the conversation I had with Paul Davids and Forrest J. Ackerman, and I thought, ah, Forey strikes again, perhaps. So uh, maybe we can talk about uh, disappearing and reappearing objects, uh, either in what remains of our open hour uh, segment here or a little bit later with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. All right, if you've got a line, hold on to it. Brenda. Oh, no, Les, I'm sorry. Les and uh Danny in Toronto and uh, Tony in Toronto. Everyone checking in from Toronto. Hold on, we'll get to you when The Conspiracy Show continues right after this. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right. Listen, I I mentioned earlier, Patrick White uh, was uh, with us from Conspiracy Culture. He's presenting a very special event coming up next Saturday, May 21st, featuring David uh, Polites, the author of Missing 411 Canada. And uh, we have a pair of tickets that we're going to give away here. Uh, to some lucky winner uh, on on the line. You've got to be on the on the program, and I'm going to play you something that I discovered recently. And um, first, I'll get the caller on here, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll find out what Tony from Toronto wants to talk about first. Tony, welcome. Are you there, Tony? Tony in Toronto. We have lost Tony. 
All right, let's try uh, Danny in Toronto. Are you there, Danny? Hey, Richard. Hey, Danny. How you doing? Very well. Listen, what are you doing Saturday, May 21st? Uh, nothing as far as I know. All right. Would you like to try to win a pair of tickets to uh, Missing 411 Canada with David Politis? Absolutely. I've listened to him and yourself on uh, Coast to Coast uh, when you were guest hosting for George Norrie. Okay. I'm going to play you something. And uh, I'll give you a hint. These are not screaming demons from Lord of the Rings. Uh, but have a listen and see if you can identify what is making this sound. I suppose <laughs> it does sound a little bit like a Sasquatch. Uh, but it, or Bigfoot. It, Go ahead. Uh, it's, it is not a Sasquatch or Bigfoot uh, uh, Bigfoot uh, sound effect or call, but you're, you're right. It does sound like uh, recordings. I've heard of that. Sorry. A little bit. Um, sorry about that. Anyway, what did you want to talk about? Um, well, I'm glad you're having open lines, but I, I wanted to make a suggestion to you, um, especially since you've guest hosted on um, Coast to Coast uh, and, re- and kind of uh, helped George Nuri out a bit. Um, and by the way, being a Canadian, uh, like knowing that you come from Canada and the Toronto area, I, I really appreciate that. But also, um, I've listened and dug into this stuff uh, pretty extensively over the last uh, seven or eight years. And I just wanted to suggest uh, he's been interviewed on Alex Jones at Infowars.com. Uh, but Jordan Maxwell, I think he'd be make a fantastic guest, and he certainly knows his stuff. Um, you're Again, you're obviously uh, the type of person that would do their due diligence and that type of thing. But uh, whether you contact Alex Jones or his people at Infowars.com, I just think that uh, Jordan Maxwell has it right. And uh, with all the things that are going on with our food, our air, our water, etc., uh, I just think that he would make a fabulous guest. Uh, well, yeah, he's certainly one of the sort of the, the preeminent uh, researchers in that whole, well, multiple fields, stuff, yep. secret societies and, and ufology and uh, occult philosophies and so forth. I, I, um, I interviewed Jordan years ago on another okay, radio cool. station, but you're right. It's, thank you. Um, you know, it's, sometimes I get too close to it and I, and I lose sight of, uh, of people that are out there that I've had on or, or haven't had on and should have on. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note of that. Or I'll get, Albert, you make a note of that, my fine story producer, <laughs> uh, Albert, and we'll, let's try to get Jordan Maxwell on the show. Thank we'll you that. so much for hearing me out. And by the way, I just wanted to say that I, I think uh, it's wonderful. Not only are you kind of skeptical, but also uh, I know that you'll do your homework and uh, – it's just nice to see somebody, uh, I, I don't call them call screeners, I call them gatekeepers. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier tonight, and uh, most uh, radio talk shows are more about gatekeeping uh, than uh, legitimate uh, call screeners, and a true debate is about uh, hearing both sides, and we're not talking about uh, people that are irrational necessarily or anything like that. So. Thank you for uh, taking my call, and thank you for genuinely keeping an open mind. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Danny. Thank you for uh, checking in and for the uh, excellent suggestion, Jordan Maxwell. All right, we'll work diligently, or Albert will, to get him on the program. Uh, Is it Les in Toronto? Les. Welcome, Les. Thank you. Um, I was just going to talk about John of Patmos. Okay, he was the one that was... 
uh, wrote the Revelations of That's God. right, that's right. Okay, uh, did you know that he was a homeless alcoholic? Did I know he was a homeless alcoholic? Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know that I would characterize, you know, uh, okay, one no. of the disciples as a homeless. He was well, imprisoned okay. on Potmos, okay, so no, I, I don't know that you would call him. Heard this story. It's, it's I have not heard that story. Very few people know about. Um, it's, uh, I think it's an interesting story. Um, a friend of mine who grew up on one of the Greek islands, mm-hmm. okay, he was, many years ago, he was uh, vacationing on Patmos, and he got talking to um, a fisherman there. And uh, the fisherman said something derogatory about John, and my friend says, well, you can't say that about John. And the fisherman said, of course I can. When he was here, he was the most educated man on the island, but he was never sober long enough to be able to write anything down. And that's why he was always depicted as being with a scribe. And um, and my friend pointed out to me, he says, you know, if you notice on the ancient Sorry, the oldest Greek paintings, they always depicted John being with a scribe. And if you go to the Patmos Tourist website, okay, they don't tell you the story I just told you, but they tell you that the scribe's name was Prochorus. Okay, so we, so the name of the scribe has even been preserved. And when my friend told me the story, I thought, wait a minute that must be true because that would explain why there are errors in the Greek, uh, sorry, there are grammatical errors in the Revelation of John, but there are no grammatical errors in the Gospel of John or the other writings of John. Okay, the scribe made the errors. Okay, so that makes sense. But anyway, so this um, fisherman went on to say that um, the reason why John ended up in Patmos is because he had been uh, scaring people with um, stories about the end of the world and uh, authorities in the various cities in the ancient world they couldn't charge him with a crime so they banished him from the city and according to local legend he was banished from every uh, almost every place in the ancient world, and he had to, that was the last place he could go was Patmos, which was a rather remote place in the ancient world. Well, there, there are a couple of accounts. One is that he was exiled, and one was one that he was imprisoned. And uh, I I won't pretend that I know which version is correct. Well, this is uh, anyway. This is what the fisherman told my friend. Okay, mm-hmm. so I got you know I, I I suspect they don't tell this to tourists because they want tourists to come there, but. Um, Anyways, uh, he, he also said that John actually got kicked out of the town on Patmos for the same reason, and that's why he was living in a cave. Hmm. Well, it is, it is. He does lay out a pretty scary scenario. Well, it's, uh, however, it's, you know, it's it's interesting, and and uh, as a. Um, uh, you know, I've been an Orthodox Christian for the last fifteen years, and I I only learned several years ago that um, that is the one book. Uh, in the New Testament, that uh, they do not read from in the liturgy, during a divine liturgy, they will yeah, not read because it's just so, I guess, uh, open to interpretation and 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 so forth. But um, okay, well, no, I've not heard that story. However, I got to say, you know, I don't necessarily, um, you know, look to uh, 
a fisherman, one fisherman on the island of Patmos, well, to give me I my uh, give me my information. Opinion, I gather this isn't the opinion of one fisherman. This is this is local legend. A local legend. All right. Um, okay, but it's it's you know it seems to fit, um, um, and um, also. Oops. Okay, I lost the other point. That's all right. Listen, I got I got to scoot, but I will look into that. And if you have any other information, if you want to send that along. Oh yes, the other point is. Um, this leads to the question, okay, the big question, okay, did he have a hallucination? Okay, alcoholics are known to have hallucinations. So that opens up, it opens up to that question. I suppose. I suppose it does. Okay, anyway. Um, if that's true. Okay, anyway, plan some holidays for um, Patmos. <laughs> yes, well, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to get over to Greece very soon, so... Uh, I haven't done the Greek islands yet. That would certainly be on my list. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you. All right, Les. Okay. A homeless alcoholic. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, based on some local legend. All right, so he traveled with a scribe. Now, I don't know when, at what age, uh, the Apostle John was when he wrote Revelation, but I know he lived to be about 108. So that might explain why he had a scribe. Let's see. Uh, is Tony there now? Yeah. There's Hello. Tony. Hi, Tony. Okay. Welcome. You, yes. Can you hear me? I can. Loud and clear. Okay. What I wanted to know was uh, one, some time ago, um, I think you had an exorcist from the local GTA area. I forget his name. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. He's up in Orangeville. Oh, okay. Because uh, I would like to hear him again. You know, uh, because... Uh, now I'm you know, embarrassed uh, because I've had him on many times. And Albert, uh, do you remember his... What, what's his name again? Do you know... Let me hand? do a quick... Uh, let me see if I can do a quick search here. My gosh, he's going to slay me because we've we've done so many shows together. And this is what 52-year-old uh, brains sound like on the air. <laughs> um, he's up in Orangeville. I know that. Oh, dear. Reverend Gordon Williams. Okay. The Reverend okay. Gordon yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. I would like to hear him again because, like I said, uh, you know, the enemy is real. I, I phoned once before and I said, uh, and I meant that when I said that if there is other life on other, these other planets, uh, why is the devil spending so much time here? And I didn't mean that to say, uh, to, it wasn't meant to be a joke, but it was meant to be very real because, like I said, uh, uh, the enemy is pretty real, and he's exercising a lot of influence. And uh, I've had my share of dealings with him as well. Uh, and uh, one is a case of what some would like to label uh, so-called sleep paralysis, which is just another name to label something, and they think they have it explained. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, they, uh, sometimes uh, we call it the old hag syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had my, and uh, I wasn't asleep when this happened because I could see my clock at the exact time that this thing was pressing in on my chest and I couldn't move. And, you know, you just can't move. You can't utter anything. You know what I mean? And I knew I was quite awake. And uh, finally I called out, to, you know, in my mind because... I couldn't even say it. I called out, Jesus, help me. And, and then that thing just disappeared. Right. Well, just because sleep paralysis is real and may explain, you know, 90% of what we used to call old hag syndrome doesn't mean that the other 10%, you know, are not real, legitimate uh, cases of 
uh, a possession or oppression. I certainly well, believe, you know, in that possibility. I believe in an unseen world. And uh, absolutely, absolutely. Listen, yeah. uh, what are you doing May twenty first? Do you want to take a, a, a yeah. shot at uh, winning some tickets? All right, uh, Ian, can you play that? What is making this god awful demonic sound? Some would say it's Bigfoot. Someone guessed Bigfoot earlier. Yeah. Uh, someone would say that. I'm not quite sure, though. There is another. Uh, there's another uh, reason why what that is, but I don't know for sure. Uh, talk about the, that lady with the phone disappearing. That would be uh, the I mighty had... Aphrodite, my lovely bride. Yes. Oh, well, uh, I knew a friend of mine at work, and he said his father uh, was sitting at his table. Uh, and uh, typing something, and he's had a little night table. He put his Coke can there, uh, turned back around, it just disappeared, he said. Totally disappeared. And then I, I questioned him further, and uh, uh, that's strange, I said. Um, and then he he, he said, uh, well, you know, my father was into this uh, witchcraft stuff. So there you go, and ah. I kind of kind of made the connection. I think they call that an apport, uh, disappearing in a reappearing yeah, object in yeah, a port. Yeah, yeah, he was also into witchcraft and all that. Oh, dear, so listen. He was linked to the dark side, you know Okay, I mean? listen, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bonus you. I know you guessed Sasquatch, and that's incorrect, but I'm going to put you on hold. Ian will take down your information, and uh, we're going to send you, uh, we're going to arrange for you to get a pair of tickets. You'll have to pick them up. Okay. Um, but we'll take your name and phone My number boy, off uh, air. I want to hear this guy because he's very fond of... Uh, Excellent. A pair of tickets. Hold on and uh, speak with uh, Ian. He'll take good care of you. And we'll see you on Saturday, May 21st. David Politis, Missing 411 Canada. All right. The website, strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show 
with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Great to be with you, and thanks for your fine company. We are coming to you live from Zuma Radio, our flagship station here in Toronto, Canada. 50,000 watts of peace and love, baby. Ian Robertson is here, twisting the knobs and dials on the other side of the glass. Through the glass, darkly. And uh, we also have Albert Vinzel, our shy, mysterious story producer, who's running our HOA, and that is a live stream on YouTube. And um, you can uh, simply, you can you can join the HOA. Just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. Click on the HOA link at the top of the feed, and uh, you're in. You're watching a radio program. How cool is that? Hey, a special hello to all of you joining us on the, uh, the HOA, and also... Uh, listening in uh, to the podcast at iTunes and TuneIn.com and Stitcher Radio and and TalkZone.com. Uh, those catching the uh, the Conspiracy Show on one of our affiliates here in Canada and the United States. And uh, let's not forget the Zoomer app and the Conspiracy Show app, both free and both absolutely fabulous. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our resident paranormal investigator, is standing by, and uh, we shall uh, delve into our our monthly tradition, a paranormal news roundup in just a few moments, and then we'll get into a discussion we began last week with author-filmmaker Paul Davids uh, involving the late science fiction writer, literary agent, and editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, the brilliant, the eccentric Forrest J. Ackerman. Uh, Paul Davids and Aki were, were dear friends, and, um, and Ackerman, uh, as I mentioned, who was, he was an avowed atheist and uh, swore that if there was, in fact, an afterlife... It almost sounds like the arrangement Harry Houdini had with his wife. Uh, but Ackerman said that if there was an afterlife, he'd try to reach out to somebody. And that somebody, apparently, is Paul Davids. And he and um, uh, he's the co-author, along with Gary Schwartz, of uh, An Atheist in Heaven, which details all of this compelling evidence for after-death communication. And it turns out, I discovered in that conversation with Paul last week, that uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley was involved in the... Uh, the Forey Ackerman investigation. So we'll talk about that as well. And uh, I'm, I'm going to retell my story uh, that came to me from uh, the mighty Aphrodite on um, earlier in the week, this panicked phone call I got from her and uh, a case of a disappearing and reappearing cell phone. Uh, and this happened the, the morning after my conversation about Forrest Ackerman and... Um, Anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's all about reappearing or disappearing and reappearing objects. Maybe we can talk about that as well. All right. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is uh, with us. She is uh, a resident paranormal investigator, researcher. She joins us once a month. Uh, she's back with us for the full hour. She is the author of, uh, well, I think it's around 60-plus books now. She's just writing nonstop. She's probably writing another one as we speak, no doubt, and uh, it's always great to have Rosemary Ellen Guiley back on the program. Rosemary, how are you? Hi, Richard. It's always a pleasure to be on. And uh, yes, you are absolutely right. I am working on a book. Um, and I'm here in California. Uh, my husband and I have been out here for a couple of weeks now. We've got one more week to go. Um, have a, a variety of projects going on out here. But I have been working on the finishing touches of the Zozo phenomenon, which is uh, about a very malevolent entity that likes to attack people who use 
talking boards or Ouija boards. And I rem- that will be out this summer. Zozo, yes, I remember that uh, the conversation. In fact, when we we did a TV show on uh, uh, Ouija boards or talking boards, you and I met up in New York, and you told me uh, about Zozo. This was a uh, a spirit that came to you through the board a number of times. Is that right? As well? Yeah. Didn't he contact uh, you as well? I've had encounters. Uh, I certainly have had encounters with Zozo. And Zozo also speaks across other communication devices. I've had Zozo show up on uh, ghost box devices, you know, Frank's box, radio sweep communication devices. People have even encountered Zozo doing automatic writing. But uh, whoever or whatever this entity is, it seems to prefer prefer Ouija boards. And uh, so I teamed up with Darren Evans who uh, has been quite an experiencer uh, of Zozo, had some horrific experiences, and that propelled him into an intensive investigation, trying to find out uh, what was going on with this entity. What kind of experiences? This is a malevolent entity. What kind of experiences uh, did did your co-author have with him? Or I'm assuming it's a him. It's not necessarily a him. Yes, Darren, uh, and he lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just a regular guy, was not a paranormal investigator. Right. I meant Zozo um, is, I, I said Zozo's a him, I, but I don't know that that's, oh. <laughs> in fact, the, the deal. Is Zozo, um, do we know the gender? Does he have a gender? He, does it have a gender? Most people refer to Zozo as a him. I okay. think that's uh, kind of a, a habit we have with um, spirits in general. Okay. But some people feel intuitively that the entity is female, hmm. and uh, so we've, we've fallen back on the neutral it. All right. And, and uh, um, so back to the, um, my question about the experiences that Darren has had with Zozo. These, are, these have been unpleasant, to say the least. Yes. He went through a progressive deterioration that uh, we see in, in the paranormal in spirit attachment. And I think that's what happened in his case, that this uh, Zozo entity was able to attach to him and uh, it, it starts with a, a compulsion and an obsession with the board that, that uh, the person has to use it more and more, can't stay away from it, starts giving authority over to the entity, uh, control over to the entity. And uh, so Zozo started um, sort of taking over his life and uh, being kind of nice at first and then making dire predictions, uh, which spookily came true in a couple of cases involving untimely deaths of people that were friends of uh, Darren's. And uh, he suffered a co- uh, eventually suffered a complete mental breakdown and um, uh, had to, um, uh, you know, stop work. And he underwent uh, literally some exorcisms. Uh, and... Um, when he got himself back together then, he started pursuing this research and found that there were other people all over the planet who'd had similar experiences. Um, some of the deterioration involves a feeling of a presence watching people all the time, nightmares, dark shadows in the house, the old hag syndrome, which is a crushing weight on the chest. And in each and, case, the entity is identifying itself as Zozo? Yes, it does. And even if people have never heard of the term Zozo, um, it's spelled when when people ask, uh, you know, who are we talking to, the entity will spell out Zozo. And uh, for um, many people, it's, it's like, well, who's Zozo? We never heard of Zozo. And yet this entity exhibits the same characteristics 
uh, with everyone. And, and this, also, Darren, after having this horrific experience, had to undergo exorcism, obviously emotionally, psychologically damaged by this whole event. Then when he gets better, he got, decides to dive right back into the pool or whatever, you choose your metaphor, get back up on that horse. I mean, wow, I, I think if that had happened to me, I, um, like the, the Apostle John, I would have exiled myself to Patmos. <laughs> well, I'm kind of with you, Richard. Uh, I wouldn't want to uh, dive back into something that had nearly wrecked my life. But uh, to his credit, his research really exposed a very wide phenomenon going on. And so that's what we document in the book, is that uh, this isn't just a few people having bizarre experiences. Uh, I think we do have to allow uh, for some cases of you know, like teenagers hearing about it, and so they're, they're kind of predisposed to uh, wanting um, Zozo to appear and that there may be some uh, subconscious things going on there. But we have so many cases. Uh, he's collected hundreds over the years uh, of people who were really blindsided by uh, this negative presence. And it, it frequently started with just people casually using spirit boards. And was the name of this entity, Zozo, was it well-known widespread before, for example, you wrote uh, Ouija Gone Wild? Uh, Zozo uh, started coming into prominence in the 1980s. Uh, Very few cases, but it was not until um, Darren started a blog in 2008, and he was publishing his findings and his experiences. That's when the term Zozo really started to take off. And uh, the research that Rick Fisher and I did for Ouija Gone Wild, we did that in uh, 2009, 10, 11 uh, uh, for that. And uh, so Zozo was, uh, I would say, a budding phenomenon at that point. So the name was out there. So it is possible you had some people who who, who read the name online, on a blog, etc., in your book, and then decided, you know, to say, to claim... Um, you know that they they were approached by this entity, but I mean, it's 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 also possible that there are people who who never saw the name mentioned on a on a on a blog or read your book, and and uh, they were in fact or genuinely believed they were contacted by this entity. So it's kind of, how do you separate the the wheat from the chaff? I guess the chaff. How do you you know? Um, decide which case is, is legitimate and which, which case is just someone, you know, seeking some, I don't know, some publicity? Well, with, without uh, being able to do in-depth interviews, uh, which are not always possible because sometimes people will submit their stories and then you try and follow up and uh, they take a powder, you know, that's all they want to say. Um, they um, don't want to be contacted again. So in most cases, we don't have the ability to do lengthy follow-ups. And and, um, in some cases where the stories were submitted by uh, people who admitted that they, for example, were uh, teenagers, young teenagers or adolescents, and the way they describe uh, the encounters, um, it seems that they might have been predisposed to wanting a scary experience and it would be cool, you know, to contact Zozo. Right, right. Um, in Nothing other cool. Cases... Nothing cool about Zozo, from what I can tell. <laughs> How were you first contacted by Zozo? 
The very first encounter I had was uh, on a Ouija board, and it was during the time that Rick and I were doing uh, research for Ouija Gone Wild. And at that point in my paranormal investigations, I was experimenting with a lot of different tools. I uh, had uh, started using the ghost box, the radio sweep boxes, in around 2006. And uh, I was experimenting with dowsing rods and automatic writing, flashlight divination, just various techniques to see what sort of communication uh, could come through. All right, let me just jump in, Rosemary, because we've got to uh, uh, pay some bills here. What a horrible radio cliche that is. And I just used it, slapping my wrist right now, off mic. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, visionaryliving.com is her website, and uh, we'll continue to talk about this malevolent entity, Zozo, and uh, we'll also get to our Paranormal News Roundup. Have some uh, great stories for you, including the discovery of a 19th century Bigfoot journal and uh, UFOs, food for thought, or are we food for ETs? And Mark Twain's seance novel. Uh, We'll uh, get to that as well. Stay with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, our paranormal investigator, hard at work on another book. No surprise there. Uh, Her website, visionaryliving.com, and you can find a complete list. I'm not sure if it's how complete it is because there's about 60-some books. Uh, but if you go to the – she's got a, like essentially a bookstore on the website, visionaryliving.com, and then you can peruse all the titles. And I've got a lot of them sitting on my shelf, uh, major, major encyclopedic work, some of them. So it's worth checking out, visionaryliving.com, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. Um, earlier I was mentioning the uh, the big event coming May 21st, Saturday, May 21st. Uh, Conspiracy Culture presenting, and I'll be hosting and um, emceeing, I guess, um, David uh, Polites, the author of Missing 411, and it's a whole series of books. There's five of them. The latest concentrates on, I guess, the national parks here in Canada, but he's coming May 21st, and uh, we were giving away some tickets, uh, and I have this demonic screeching, horrible sound I um, sort of likened it to the uh, the demons from Lord of the Rings. And uh, a little later, we're going to open up the lines and take calls with Rosemary. And uh, if you can identify what that sound is, I will, if you're on the air with me, then I'll, um, I'll get you a pair of tickets. Can we hear that again? Ian, let's hear that. There you go. Now, I'll, it's not Sasquatch. Someone guessed that earlier. I'll tell you that right now. It's not Sasquatch. All right. Uh, and it's um, it's not the lead singer from Guns N' Roses after an all-nighter. Uh, that's... You can take that one to the bank, too. All right. Rosemary Ellen Guiley uh, is back with us. And we were talking about... Um, well, well, we'll finish up talking about um, uh, Zozo here, this entity... 
a malevolent entity and you encountered it. Uh, it came through to you on a, on a Ouija board. Did it make any? I mean, was it was it threatening? Was it oppressing or suppress or um, possessing you? Uh, I've never been attached by anything like that, but it, I would characterize it as annoying. And um, uh, first, it when when it announces itself, it will often. Uh, move the planchette in figure eights, and then it starts to go back and forth between the Z and the O. Now, it has some alter egos, too, and Zaza is one of them, so it will alternate between the Z and the A. And that's what it does at first for many people. Uh, And at first, people think that it's just doing something nonsensical, just doing Z-O-Z-O-Z-O, but that has become a hallmark characteristic uh, the communications with this entity are usually um, it's, it's quite frequently crude, uh, almost abusive. Um, sometimes it will start out nice and friendly and then progressively get meaner and nastier. Um, but um, I've never gotten anything productive out of it. And uh, it either uh, refuses to answer questions or it will uh, answer with some, um, you know, expletive or swear word or something like kill. Uh, and uh, I just tell it to go away. And if it doesn't go away, then I just stop the board session. But what happens with a lot of people, and especially younger people who are very excited by, you know, the thrill-seeking of this, is that um, they don't stop. Uh, they allow the communication to go on and on. And... Uh, they they become uh, sort of invested in it um, as though they're onto some sort of uh, secret uh, connection, and uh, they don't realize how dangerous it can get um, because you, it's it's like a riptide. You can get pulled under by uh, by this sort of thing, regardless of how negative spirits communicate with you, and then attachment can occur. Now, so if 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 someone is is uh, experimenting with a talking board or a Ouija board, and they get that planchet moving around in a figure eight, and it starts to spell out Zozo, Z O Z O, what how, what should they do immediately? Close the board? How do they do that? Uh, well, um, if, if it's me, uh, then I I would ask the question: uh, Is this Zozo? And uh, sometimes the planchette will just keep going Z-O-Z-O, or it may swing to yes. And um, I might ask, like, uh, you know, uh, what is your purpose, Uh, and uh, see if it will answer. But usually once Zozo shows up, the the session is uh, pretty well trashed, I think. Uh, You're not going to get anything significant out of it. It pushes aside anything else that uh, that might be able to come through. Who do you and think? So who then or what, what I do is I just end it. You end um, it. Okay. Who or what is Zozo? Who or what is Zozo? Is it a? Is it a? Is it the the soul of uh, a, a, you know a, a human? Is it a demon? I believe it to be non-human, and we explore uh, a number of possibilities in the book. Uh, it certainly acts in demonic ways that are characteristic of, of that kind of negative entity. Uh, there are also jinn characteristics to it as well. And uh, I think that those are the two most likely explanations. But we've even found connections to extraterrestrials, to ancient gods, 
um, to thought forms. Uh, there's, uh, we certainly can entertain the possibility that Zozo might be the product of, um, you know, collective uh, human thought, you know, negative kind of thought. And it may be a mixture of all of those things, but uh, clearly it falls into what we would call a demonic category. That is an, a negative entity that wants to pester, harass, and even damage people. All right. So uh, everyone out there who occasionally likes to, uh, to toy around with Ouija boards and talking boards, uh, forewarned, forearmed. If you get um, a communication from an entity identifying itself as Zozo, Close the board. Run. Uh, cease and desist immediately. All right. Uh, I want to talk to you about this is a remarkable story. You know, obviously, Fort McMurray, Alberta, in the news these days because of this hor- horrible uh, fire. Um, tens of thousands of people displaced. Just, just horrible. But it sounds like finally, because of some good weather, they're getting it under control. But from Fort McMurray, Alberta, now we go to Jasper, Alberta, and we dial it back to about 1811. A gentleman by the name of David Thompson, uh, keeping uh, what is being described as a 19th century Bigfoot journal. What can you tell me about this, Rosemary? Uh, There are a lot of interesting Bigfoot accounts from the 19th century, and thank goodness we have them. And this fellow was uh, out in the Rocky Mountains uh, near Jasper, and he finds these enormous footprints. Uh, and uh, they're very odd. They don't fall into any category. And first, he thinks it's like a grizzly bear. His, he, he called him grizzled bear. I think that was a term they used then. But it, it, it still didn't look like a bear. And um, the Native American contacts that he had uh, told him that, that this was a still-living mammoth, and he didn't believe them. Um, but... Um, uh, you know, he, he even finds them again and uh, questions some of the Native Americans about them, and they insist that, no, this isn't a bear. Uh, this is a huge, giant mammoth creature, and uh, that they had lots of stories of, of these uh, creatures that lived in the wild. And uh, he said that uh, w- one of the prints that he found uh, was 14 inches in length, and it was impressed very deeply into the snow, at, at least a good six inches, uh, and uh, that it had four big toes and um, a short claw on each and it, kind of a ball to the foot, and it just didn't look like a, a barefoot. So it was a big mystery to him. Uh, but, you know, the Native Americans in Canada and throughout America, especially in the Pacific Northwest, uh, have legends going way, way back that these creatures exist uh, and that they've always been in the wild and they were very feared. Hmm. And his account wasn't the only uh, one of this creature. There was um, an artist uh, back in the 1840s named Paul Kane. Didn't he see something similar? And that was down in Washington State. Now, I used to live in Vancouver, Washington, and that area, it's um, not very far from Mount St. Helens, and then further east along the Columbia River uh, into Clackamas County and uh, Skamania County over by Mount Adams. These are all areas where the tradition of Bigfoot goes back a long time in Native American lore, and sightings have been very frequent. And so this artist, um, said that uh, he was near Vancouver, Washington, and he was, um, what his interest was, he, he was going to sketch Mount St. Helens. And um, 
he found out about uh, this giant species um, from the Native Americans who said they were cannibals. And that's kind of a disturbing idea that um, uh, these creatures that might be Bigfoot might have a taste for, uh, for human beings. And uh, one of the terms that the uh, Native Americans use in that area is skookum, uh, which has become in modern usage almost a, an alternate for Sasquatch. But the term actually means powerful. And uh, so something, any, almost anything could be skookum if it's powerful. But they especially applied that term to these uh, giant uh, creatures, which the artist, interestingly enough, also translated as evil genie, Ooh. or that would be like a gin-like creature. Right, right. Of course, the gin are known to shapeshift into different forms as well. Yes, because this does not fit the the M.O. Uh, well, there are accounts of Bigfoot attacking people or, or kidnapping uh, of people, but generally the sort of the profile is shy, elusive, peaceful, kind of an herbivore, um, so now we're hearing of another species, maybe a sort of a subspecies of uh, a giant hairy ape that actually eats people. Uh, hey, maybe that's one of the um, the culprits in um, behind this whole, you know, uh, David uh, uh, Politas and the, the the missing four one one in the national parks. We have to consider it, and in fact, for years I have wondered uh, whether or not other uh, entities who visit us from uh, other dimensions or off-world, uh, if they have, have a taste for human beings and that that might account for some of our missing cases. Well, turns out there's something else that may have a taste for human beings, and uh, that involves potentially extraterrestrials. Uh, this is um, an interesting story that goes back to, uh, I guess, the Vietnam era. In, I think it was in neighboring Cambodia in 1972, and there was an elite highly trained U.S. Army special ops uh, um, operation going on there. And they stumbled upon something rather horrific in the uh, the jungles of Cambodia. This is a very disturbing story, uh, although here again I've often wondered about uh, extraterrestrials, uh, if some of them might be interested in us as a food source. And this story was reported to Leo Stringfield, who's passed on now, uh, but for many years he was one of the most respected researchers in the field. And according to this story, uh, there was a group of, um, this was relayed to him by an American soldier, and they were out on uh, a mission uh, to engage with the, uh, the North Vietnamese, and they came across this craft. Uh, that had landed. It was on an, uh, on little feet, uh, like a tripod, and it was so bright, uh, silver craft, that it reflected uh, light with the intensity of a mirror. And there were these beings uh, outside the craft who were clearly non-human. They had black eyes that kind of wrapped around to the side of their uh, faces, and they had hairless heads, sort of like what we would describe as grays. And they were collecting corpses and body parts and putting them in these big bins. And uh, uh, a firefight ensued, uh, and uh, uh, some mysterious ray weapon shot out from the craft. Uh, one of the U.S. soldiers was killed, and uh, the aliens uh, scurried aboard the craft and, and escaped. But 
the feeling that this fellow had who was relaying the story was that they were collecting human corpses as food. Um, now, in, in reading the details of the account, um, there's nothing to, I mean, how do we know? You know, they might have been collecting uh, the body parts and the corpses uh, as specimens to study. You know, we don't really know for sure that they were collecting uh, people uh, as food. But, um, you know, we've we've had these theories around for a long time that the aliens might be interested in eating us. And uh, here again, this could account for some missing cases. And uh, the the source, uh, supposedly, was a, um, and that Stringfield source, was a high-ranking military officer. However, he's not named. Um, so, yeah, that's a rather disturbing account and an entirely different view of our, uh, our galactic neighbors. We are on the menu, apparently. All right, Rosemary Ellen Giley stays with us. Uh, another chance to win a pair of tickets to Missing 411 on March 21st with David uh, Polites, a conspiracy culture presentation I'll be hosting, and uh, we'll also talk about the Forrest J. Ackerman investigation and disappearing and reappearing objects. Stay with us. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. All right, uh, we will get back to Rosemary Ellen Guiley in just a second. I, uh, I just wanted to acknowledge a, um, a, uh, a lengthy handwritten letter that I received, and um, I haven't had time to, to read all of it. It's, there's a lot of pages here, but I just wanted to, to let the person who wrote it know I've received it. I don't want to give out their identity without their permission. Let's just say, um, well, it's from Robert... And it's Lubbock, Texas, and um, he will know who he is. Robert in Lubbock, Texas, I have received your lengthy letter, and uh, this is, uh, well, this will go into a, an, a, an expanding file that has to do with targeted individuals, Robert. And I get these almost on a weekly basis. Um, a lot of handwritten uh, letters and a lot of emails from people who genuinely believe that they are targeted individuals. This is something we've talked about on the program a lot. So Robert and Lubbock, I did get your letter, rest assured, and I will read it. Thank you for that. All right, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, we, um, we're going to finish up with our paranormal news roundup, and then we're going to talk about the Forey Ackerman um, uh, case, which she's been involved with. And But this one, uh, let's just talk for a few minutes about uh, Mark Twain. And uh, speaking of uh, Ouija boards, uh, a story about how Mark Twain's ghost almost set off the copyright battle of the century. This is a phenomenal story, Rosemary. It certainly is, and it's uh, one of the most significant uh, Ouija board stories uh, to come out of the 20th century. And now the Ouija board uh, came out officially in um, the late 19th century. It was around 1892, and it was marketed as a game, but people immediately started using it for a lot of uh, different purposes, uh, including um, 
receiving dictation from spirits. And so here in 1917, uh, a woman named Emily Grant Hutchings started using the Ouija board and felt, or so she claimed, that she got in touch with the late Mark Twain, who had died about seven years earlier. And she took dictation uh, and allowed his supposed spirit to write another book, uh, which was published as a novel called Jap Heron. And it was not a very good book. Uh, it was panned by the critics. Uh, some of them said, you know, that uh, if, if this is the best that Mark Twain, Mark Twain can do from the other side, he should stay on the other side. Um, but the interesting thing about this story is what it set off. And this is something, uh, Richard, that uh, I am convinced is going to be an issue on into the future when we have reliable communication with people on the other side. Uh, because what happened was the publisher of Mark Twain's books, which was Harper Brothers at the time, which later became HarperCollins, uh, they claimed that they owned the, the right to publish all of Mark Twain's books. And so if he had dictated something from the other side, they were entitled to publish that book. And um, it, there was a big copyright battle over this as to who owned the copyright to um, this supposed uh, post-mortem novel. And uh, it never went to court. Uh, the publisher of the book vowed that they were going to take it to court and they would win. Um, but uh, they they uh, kind of saw how things were stacked against them uh, that and that uh, they were probably going to lose or it might not even you know it might even get thrown out of court and uh, so um, they uh, they withdrew it from publication was it even written in in his style I mean why would anyone even consider that this might have been written by Mark Twain's ghost it was largely on her say so and uh, it it really didn't sound much like Mark Twain uh, it, um, in fact, it's available online, and if people want to check it out, you can probably find um, a, a copy available, a PDF copy available somewhere online. But it really doesn't sound a lot like Mark Twain, and so I can see how his publisher might have been upset. But but the fight really was over money. It was over who owns the copyright. Uh, to to this book and and if Mark Twain supposedly uh, was alive on the other side and still writing, then his earthly publisher said they still had the rights to that. Well, I I, I spoke with a, a, a gentleman years ago who claimed that he was channeling John Lennon and was uh, Lennon was composing new material on the other side. Uh, so I guess yeah, then who owns that? Is it is it uh, EMI or uh, which is, I guess that's is that Sony now Sony Music? But this 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 whole idea has even spawned an article in a uh, in a law review uh, by uh, some legal scholar about this whole issue. Ghostwriters, spiritualists, copyright infringement, and the right of publicity. That that's right, and in fact, you know, here in the states, the copyright law is now uh, author's lifetime plus seventy years. Well, in that seventy-year period, um, then if somebody communicates from the other side, does that mean that uh, people on this side still still own the intellectual property rights to that? And uh, if if we have increasing communication with the other side, uh, all kinds of murky 
uh, legal battles could uh, ensue, like uh, for patents, for trademarks, for inventions, um, and let alone literary properties. Yeah, it gives a whole new meaning to the term ghostwriter. Uh, this it would literally does. be a ghostwriter. All right, another ghost, Forey Ackerman. Uh, we'll uh, discuss your involvement in this amazing uh, a case that provides some pretty compelling evidence for after-death communication. Forey Ackerman, and he may have actually even reached out and, I don't know, touched the mighty Aphrodite. At least her cell phone. We'll talk about that again as well. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, VisionaryLiving.com, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us. VisionaryLiving.com is her website. Uh, the author of more than 60 books, may, many of them major encyclopedic works uh, dealing with the paranormal. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about your involvement in the Forrest J. Ackerman uh, investigation. Uh, Paul Davids, Gary Schwartz uh, have detailed the evidence in this book, uh, also in a, uh, in a uh, documentary called The After. Death Project, or the, uh, I think it's called the After Death Project, and or the Afterlife Project, uh, and uh, this new book, uh, An Atheist in Heaven. Some pretty compelling evidence there that uh, the late Forrest J. Ackerman, science fiction writer, literary agent, editor of Famous Monsters from Filmland, uh, pretty compelling evidence he was reaching out to Paul Davids from the grave. Uh, how did you get involved in the investigation, Rosemary? Well, Paul is a friend of mine. I've known him for um, oh, quite a few years now. And uh, we were chatting at uh, a UFO conference, in fact, uh, a little over a year ago, uh, talking about his uh, research on this. And he invited me to participate in this investigation. That's how it came about. And, uh, of course, I was uh, very excited to do that. It sounded intriguing. Uh, I was familiar with what had been going on in the case, uh, and uh, I definitely wanted to see what might happen. And so this took place over several days in late May last year at uh, Forrest Ackerman's uh, mansion in uh, Los Angeles. Up in the Hollywood Hills there. Uh, Up in the Hollywood Hills, and quite an impressive place. It's uh, now owned uh, privately, and uh, the fellow who owns it often rents it out to people. And he told us that um, many people talked about uh, being haunted in the home, uh, some to the point where it was uncomfortable for them to continue staying there, and that he himself had had uh, unusual experiences in the house. 
So uh, Paul and Gary assembled a group of people. There were two mediums involved. There was uh, a family that um, they were researchers in the paranormal, and uh, they were taking kind of a skeptical approach. They brought in a, a lot of equipment uh, to set up for uh, cameras and uh, audio monitoring and things like that. Uh, and my husband and myself, we were there, uh, we were all staying overnight in the house, and then we had uh, a number of other people who were involved in this long-term case uh, also coming by to participate in uh, some of the activities. And one of the first things that uh, Paul asked us to do when we arrived at the house uh, was to um, make an immediate walkthrough and record our impressions. And throughout the stay, I was uh, recording a lot of my impressions about what I was experiencing in uh, in the house. And uh, when we uh, got together at various times to compare our notes, um, I, uh, from my perspective, I had uh, tuned in to a lot of the hot spots in the house, places where people saw shadow figures quite frequently, places where... Uh, people had had uh, encounters with apparitions and uh, and things like that. Um, we had a filmmaker come in, uh, Ron James, who's very well known in the paranormal and UFO communities for his documentaries. He came and he did a lot of filming one evening. Um, we uh, tried to uh, get um, some physical manifestation going, like uh, to have objects move in front of us. Uh, we weren't able to document that, but we had uh, other unusual things happen. And uh, one of the mediums, for example, had uh, visits on two nights from dark shadow figures. Uh, and um, they had the, like a red light, like a red uh, ra- laser light with them. And at first she thought they were uh, part of the film crew. But Uh, This happened very late at night after everyone was done filming, and we had packed up the equipment and uh, exited the floor that she was staying on. Nobody was there on on that floor. And uh, the figures that she described were very characteristic of shadow people, uh, dark figures that invade the bedroom, and uh, there are red lights associated with them. Sometimes they have red eyes. Uh, And... she was a little shook up about it, uh, the, the fact that uh, she really thought it was people coming into her room, and she couldn't see them because they were just in silhouette. Hmm. Um, Did but, Forey uh, make his... She was a little his... shook up that they might not have been, you know, of earthly origin. I guess. Did Forey Ackerman make his presence known to you or anyone else? Well, we did. Um, uh, there was a seance at the end where... Uh, People, uh, he was invited to uh, to be present, and um, uh, the mediums felt that he he was present. And one of the participants, it was uh, the husband of the family of uh, filmmakers, uh, evidence takers, and the, the who were more on the skeptical side, experienced a very violent vibrating of the sofa that he was sitting on. And that was one of the most remarkable uh, physical demonstrations uh, of evidence that took place during uh, during the investigation. Uh, there was another time, uh, the very first night we were there, we had um, kind of a mini seance uh, upstairs in the master bedroom uh, that used to uh, belong to Ackerman, 
where uh, Paul invited him to uh, to make his presence known, and we did not have any uh, demonstrable uh, phenomena on that particular night. And sometimes it uh, this has been my experience in investigations is that sometimes, especially when you have uh, several days and nights to uh, to work uh, through rather than just one night that um, sometimes you don't get much at first, and it's later, or it seems, when energy builds and you start tuning into uh, the environment that uh, then things start happening. And I think that was the case with the seance, that uh, by that point a lot of energy had been uh, built up. We participate, we the living participate in, in these investigations too, and I think the living often make make it possible for phenomena to manifest. Well, I was telling the story earlier, Rosemary. The night after I, uh, last week, I did that show with Paul Davids. Uh, sorry, the next morning, the Monday morning, uh, my um, my wife, the mighty Aphrodite, called me in a panic. She was running some errands, came out of a bank, suddenly realized she didn't have her cell phone, searched the car, turned her pockets inside out, realized, okay, I must have left it in the bank, went back to the bank, it wasn't there, got in the car, and I'm trying to remember now how it went, but I think she then reached into her pocket for the car key, and there was the cell phone. And again, she didn't... Uh, and, and it's interesting because in the book, An Atheist in Heaven, one of the co-authors who wrote two chapters, I think, he's a PhD, uh, John Allison, I think, uh, who was, you know, he's a, he's a chemist, I think. And right. he, he got involved in the investigation, and then he started to have some paranormal activity in his apartment while investigating the case, which involved um, cell phones appearing, disappearing, being thrown around. Uh, and then this happened to the mighty Aphrodite. She called me on the phone. She was in a bit of a panic because she just really was you know, totally blown away by what had happened to her. And again, did not hear my conversation with Paul Davids. I said, did you hear the show last night? She said, no, I fell asleep. So I'm wondering if that was Forey Ackerman striking again. Well, it might have been because Paul documents very thoroughly in An Atheist in Heaven that just about anybody who became involved in this case, even in peripheral ways, started having phenomena. And it would be things like a ports, you know, objects that went missing and then were found. Um, clocks uh, that had, hadn't been on in years, uh, that even had malfunction, suddenly working again, strange things happening on computers, just all kinds of synchronicities that get very hard to explain away. Well, I had something uh, happen to me on the, on the last day. Uh, Joe and I had to leave. Uh, I was speaking at Contact in the Desert, and uh, I had to leave before the final seance. And um, I get all the way out to um, uh, Joshua Tree, which was, um, oh, about a good 90 miles from L.A. And I discovered that my laser pointer, and lasers again, my mm. laser pointer uh, for my laptop was missing. It was not in my uh, computer case. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it must have fallen out. I, I really hadn't used my computer much during the whole time we were there. But um, uh, I thought maybe it fell out, and I called Paul. I asked him to search the bedroom that we had stayed in, look under the bed, the floor, the closet, because uh, it surely must be there somewhere in the house, and it didn't turn up. Um, they could not find it. And then, uh, so I was concerned about, well, what am I going to use for a pointer? I'll have to borrow one from someone when I give my presentations. And then 
lo and behold, there it shows up in my computer case. Now, I had taken my entire computer case apart. I'd looked mm-hmm. at everything. And when it reappeared, it was in a side pocket that I never use for the uh, laser pointer because I felt that that side pocket was too exposed, uh, you know, for Right, right. And there it was. There it was. That's an app port. That's an app port. Listen, I want to grab a quick call here uh, because uh, Claude has been uh, holding on uh, for a while. He's in Port Perry. Claude, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, Richard. Hi. Now, you wanted to – we were playing a sound uh, earlier for a chance to win tickets to uh, uh, David uh, Politia's appearance uh, May 21st, uh, Missing 411 Canada. Let's, Let's play it one more time. Okay. What do you think that sound is, Claude? I think it is someone or something opening up uh, a rusty gate in the cemetery. (laughs) (laughs) Good guess. It's not. I'll tell you what it is. That is a male elk. And this is a sound. There's an article published in National Geographic. Elk, during the rutting season, the males make this sound. They call it a bugle. Uh, and I, it does. It sounds like a, uh, one of the demons from Lord of the Rings. Uh, however, Claude, I appreciate you calling in. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to set you up with a pair of tickets uh, for the David uh, Polites event, May 21st, Conspiracy Culture Presents. I'll be hosting at the U of T, and um, you'll get a contact from Patrick at Conspiracy Culture on how to pick up your tickets. All right, Claude, hold Thank on. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. All right. So, Rosemary, uh well, listen, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll have to keep a, a close eye on, uh, you know, things around the house and see if there's any more appearing, disappearing objects. And um, perhaps Foy Ackerman has worked his way into our lives as well because we were involved, albeit on the periphery of this, uh, in f- this fascinating case of after-death communication. Uh, Rosemary, what's up next for you? Uh, the next big event that I have is Hexfest in New Orleans. That's the first week in June. I'll be uh, talking about psychic protection and conducting a group past life regression. And then I have Haunted America, third weekend in June in uh, Alton, Illinois. A uh, very big event every year. I'll be giving a presentation on the gin. Excellent. Well, always a pleasure. And in the meantime, we direct people to the website visionaryliving.com. Thanks, Rosemary. All the best. Thank you, and same to you, Richard. All right, we'll talk next month. Uh, my thanks uh, to uh, Ian Robertson, Twisting the Knobs and the Dials, to Albert Vinzel, of course, Jonathan Franz, uh, our uh, capable young intern, John Franz. Thank you for all you do. Back next week with a brand new program. Uh, Carl Gallops will be here with some more prophecy, and we'll get around probably talking about uh, the Trump, Donald Trump. What a phenomenon that is, or he is, I should say. All right. Some talking about malevolent entities? No, I didn't say that. I kind of like Donald. Yikes. What's wrong with me? (laughs) All right. Uh, In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.